Hey, welcome to the Resolve Podcast, episode number 15. I'm Carly Tisano, a New Year's resolution coach, obsessed with all things goal setting, personal development, coaching, and of course, resolutions. One of my biggest goals is to help you reach yours. I'm here to provide the tools, the support, and inspiration you need to reach your goals this year and every year, and to feel supported every day along the way. Since we are so very close to the end of this year, I think that our resolve to today will probably come as no surprise. I'm going to be encouraging you to conduct an end of year review. I know this is a career principle, (laughs) something that a lot of people who work in corporate deal with. Sometimes there's a lot of anticipation and anxiety around their upcoming end of year review. So there doesn't have to be any anxiety around it. Don't worry. You can think of it like a report card, or if that creates a lot of anxiety, don't think of it like that either. (laughs) You can view it however you want to, but I encourage you to resolve to conduct an end of year review. Looking back, it's pretty easy and pretty common for time to blend together. So conducting an end of year review is a way for us to focus on the last chunk, i.e. the last 12 months, and assess it, break it down, analyze it, and review. I will admit I'm not really one to write things down other than my goals because there is a much higher likelihood you'll achieve them if you write them down. So definitely write down your goals. But beyond that, I don't really like handwriting things down. To me, it just takes too long. But if you are someone who likes to write things down, definitely go ahead and do that. I'm just going to talk through these ideas and principles so you can think through it as I talk. If that's how you want to process, you can talk through your end of your review with someone else or me (laughs) if you want to, or you can write it down if that's the way that you want to go. So I'm going to share some of the general principles or tools that you can use as you conduct an end of year review. You can structure it exactly like this. You can pull out any pieces that you want to. There is no right or wrong way to conduct an end of year review, but I would encourage you to do one. So maybe the only wrong way to do an end of year review is not to do one. (laughs) I think it's always helpful to begin with the end in mind. So I like to end my year by returning to the vision that I had at the beginning of the year of what I wanted this year to be. You can do it in terms of January 1st or December 31st of last year, whichever is more helpful and beneficial to you. I know that on December 31st and the time around that when I was really visualizing the end of this year, I wanted to have completed the first draft of my book, really have it um, solid and completed with all my research in it. Now I am happy to say that is done. I'm celebrating that. I wanted to be able to serve my clients in my coaching business and my professional home organizing business. And I have been able to do both this year. It has been really exciting. I wanted to launch this podcast. I visualized what that was going to be like celebrating having this podcast out there. I recently hit a few weeks ago, 12 episodes, and that was another benchmark that I wanted to hit. I wanted to have at least 12 episodes out so that I didn't get to the end of December and say, oh, well, I'm going to launch the podcast now and it still counts. I wanted to have a little bit more meat out there. I have hit that secondary kind of goal as well. So those were all components and achievements that I wanted to have as I was setting out into this new year, along with a lot of other little things. If you're curious more about the other goals I set and what achieving them looked like, you can listen to episode two where I talked about my goals for the year and where I was at with them. I'm not going to go into too much detail or depth, go through my list of the things that I didn't achieve this year since I just did it a few episodes ago in episode two. So if you're curious about that, you can go check that out. Other than that, I will say I'm happy to announce that I have achieved all of the goals that I set for this year. There's only one that's still in process and it will be completed next year. The next component that I need comes in January and then I can continue to move forward with that. On January 1st, December 31st last year, looking ahead, all of those things I just mentioned were things I wanted to achieve along the way to getting here. I knew there would be a lot of growth uh, and a lot of hard work that I would have to put in to get there, but I visualized what it was gonna be like to be 
at this time of the year, having accomplished those things, how proud I was gonna be, the new files I would have on my computer, the connections I would have been able to make with other people through my book and podcast. And it's so fun to return to those feelings that I wanted to have of responsibility and achievement and success and fun. It has been a great year to really experience all of those things. Our brain is gonna look for what we tell it to look for. So going into your end of year review, it is really powerful to acknowledge what it is you want to stand out the most. If you look back at the year through the lens of everything that went wrong, there are probably gonna be some things that come up, some things you'll be able to think of. But if you look at the year and ask your brain, how have I grown this last year? You're gonna come up with answers for that as well. One of the most powerful instances of this was last year during the pandemic on Thanksgiving. Normally my family would go around the table and share the things that they're thankful for, which we did, but we put an interesting twist on it in that we asked, what are the things you're thankful for that have come about because the pandemic happened? Not despite the pandemic, but only because we had a pandemic only because it's something that we had to deal with and face and move and grow through. What are the things that have happened? Of course, there was so many awful, horrible things that happened, but what were the ways that we grew? What were the things that did happen? What were the connections we had to make in new ways or that grew or developed because of the pandemic? And so that was the perfect way to really reframe that year on Thanksgiving and to be able to explore our gratitude in a whole new way. So now as you're looking back over this past year, consider how you want to view it, what you want to be looking for, and that is going to heavily skew <laughs> the things that are gonna stand out to you. From there, I would encourage you to move, once you have the perspective you want to be looking at your year from, I would encourage you to move to gratitude. Like we were just talking about, gratitude is very powerful. Maybe that's the lens you wanna view your year from. There's definitely nothing wrong with that. To really sit in that feeling of gratitude, I love to go through my calendar and my photos app. Those are things I do pretty often because I'm in constant contact with them. But I like to take the time at the end of the year to look back and to be reminded of, oh yeah, I can't believe that happened, I totally forgot. Or oh yeah, I remember that memory. It's really fun to look at it through those digital tools that a lot of times can feel like they're slowing us down or doing more harm than good. But in the context of this, it is really powerful and a very fun way to review your year. Another thing that my family has done in past years, corporately all together, is to have a blessings jar. And it is always refreshing to go back and to have a moment by moment or more often like week by week or month by month chronicle of the things that happened the things that stood out that in the moment felt like incredible blessings because oftentimes there are things that you get to the end of the year and they may or may not appear on your calendar or in your photos app they're in the smaller connections they're in the person in front of you in line who paid for your coffee, or they're in that person who texted you and sent you an encouraging note, or that time that you took another step towards reaching one of your goals, or when you did reach one of your goals. Those could all be things that you could put in your blessings jar that may or may not make their way into other physical manifestations or ways that you would be tangibly reminded that they had occurred. Once you have moved through gratitude, taken some time to recognize all of your blessings from the past year, I move on to some questions. There are dozens of questions on Google if you want to look up like questions you can ask yourself during your end of your review, but I use some that I have found to be really powerful. I'm gonna share them with you. <laughs> Don't worry, there's plenty more if you want more, but here's a pretty concise list of ones that I like to look at. First of all is what did you learn? As I look back at my year, it's fun to see the interesting mix of things that I learned. It's kind of like how coaching is a mix of really tangible mindset things and also 
the more practical tactical things like keeping a habit tracker and stuff like that. So looking back, I can see how I learned how to produce and edit podcasts. <laughs> that's something that I didn't really know at the beginning of this year. I didn't even have a podcast microphone at the beginning of the year. So that's a skill that I had to learn and develop in order for you to be listening to this right now. Another way that you can look at all the things that you've learned is I always like to ask my clients, what would you call this level of the video game that you're in? Because life is a lot like that. <laughs> we'll face a challenge, and then once you can successfully overcome that challenge or you've learned the lessons necessary, you move on to the next level. And so when a client is dealing with something that is maybe a little difficult and we just need to bring a little bit of levity into it, I'll often ask them, what is this level of the video game? And so it can be fun to look back and if your whole life was a video game and last year was a level, what would you call the level? Another question that I love for the end of year review is what was challenging or disappointing? Even the toughest years can have lessons that helped us grow. And so ultimately they get us closer to where we wanna be and who we wanna be. 2020 is the perfect example of that. It was a hard year. It was a difficult year for us as individuals and as a society collectively, but I think many people grew and developed and changed in a lot of really powerful and important ways. I think it's also powerful to look back and consider what would you change, if anything? I tend to have a pretty broad perspective, I think, that I normally get to the end of the year and would not change anything. That may be because I spend too much time thinking about my decisions ahead of time, I'm not sure. But looking back, I don't think there is anything that I would particularly change from this past year. And that in and of itself is really powerful to step back and recognize I am happy with where I am. I'm happy with the progress I've made. I have intentionally made decisions to get me to where I am. But if that's not how you feel, if there are things you would change, then that's okay. Dig deeper into that. What are those things you want to change? Why would you want to change them? What different outcomes would you have been more happy with? Are there things you need to be doing now to get more in alignment with that and on from there? I think it's also helpful to separate yourself from the year and ask, where did I spend my time and energy? Because the time of the year went by either way, whether you spent it intentionally or not, <laughs> whether you binged that new TV show or not, the time is now gone. We are now at the end of the year. So it is interesting to look back and consider where did my time and energy go, especially if you can divorce yourself from the concept a little bit and you really don't need to get out your calculator here, but consider if you watch an hour of TV every night, you spent 365 hours watching television. I'm certainly not judging. My number is probably above that, but just be aware of that. If I look back, I recognize that I spent probably a comparable amount of time to that on the podcast, or it's certainly getting close to that. I probably spent about half that getting my book to the point where it is today, just working with clients and on my business, dozens and dozens of hours again, or rather hundreds and hundreds. <laughs> Maybe I do need to get a calculator out. But when you can recognize that I also spent at least half an hour a day or an hour in a day working out, then that's really powerful to recognize that you spent your time and energy that way. If you spent an hour or two a day connecting with friends or spending time with your family, being willing to recognize that, maybe you spent eight hours a day sleeping and maybe that's great. Or maybe you were trying to get by on five hours and maybe you're really feeling it. So being able to recognize those things, being able to analyze and adjust them. If you want to get a better idea of where your time and energy went, but you really don't want to do everything on the scale of 52 weeks, 
I would encourage you to just look in your mind or on paper, generate what a typical week would have looked like for you over this last year, and then break it down in terms of 168 hours because a week is 168 hours. So consider if you spent eight hours a night sleeping, that's 56 hours out of the 168. If you were working 40 hours a week, subtract that and then go on from there and see if you can get a realistic depiction of where your time was going in an average week. And of course, there really is no such thing as an average week. Every week is weird and different in its own way, but see if you can get an idea there from there of where your time and energy went over the last year. From there, I like to take time to review the goals and resolutions that I set. Like I said earlier, I detailed mine in episode two. I've completed them all pretty much or made progress. I'm so proud of launching this podcast, getting the first draft of my book completed. And it is so important to take time, whether you do it on your end of your review or on December 31st to celebrate the goals and resolutions that you have kept and completed. That doesn't have to look like champagne if you don't want it to, but take some time to celebrate in whichever way is best for you. When we don't celebrate things like we said we would, we're hurting our self-trust and we need that for doing the things we said we were going to, especially next year and on and on. But we said most likely we were gonna celebrate when we reached the point we're at now. And so now we need to take the time to honor that, to celebrate. And plus then you just get to celebrate, which is always fun. From there, once I have gone over my goals and resolutions, I like to drop into an assessment of overall areas. So this is something that Tess Wicks shared in her episode a few weeks ago, episode eight, and she had an interesting twist on it that I hadn't heard before. So I certainly went through every area of my life, I'll go through the list in a minute, and kind of ranked them or rated them to see where I was at on a scale of one to 10. But she shared the idea of what it looks like if you put it on a pie chart. So each area gets an equal slice of the pie, and then you rank each area in the pie chart. So if you think you're doing a 10 out of 10 in a certain area, it will look like a full slice of pie. And if you're doing like a two out of 10, it would be like just the very tip of the piece of pie, which is actually my favorite bite. But anyway, then as you can step back and see your pie chart with the different sections and areas shaded, however is appropriate, then you have a really good and powerful visual reminder of which slice is most full, how you're doing, and maybe also then which areas you want to work on boosting up a little bit, getting a fuller slice of pie. I've seen other charts that just rate things numerically. You can do it however works for you. You can do any of this however it works for you, but I really like the idea of the pie chart. So these are the areas that I encourage you to rate from one to 10. Think about why an area has a certain rating, whatever you're gonna rate it, and what it would actually look like if it were a 10, if it isn't already. Sometimes we have an outlandish idea of what something would be like if it was a 10, and we can realize, analyzing what a 10 would actually be that maybe we are closer to the 10 or the idea of a 10 than we would have thought otherwise. Where would you rate your job or career one out of 10? Where would you rate your health and fitness? Also consider the area of finances. What about your family? I would also encourage you to consider romance or dating, (laughs) or if this is an area you're not at all concerned with, you can remove that slice entirely. Consider friendships, consider fun and leisure, consider home and your physical environment. And finally, I would encourage you to consider personal growth and development. So rate yourself on each of those areas or whichever ones you feel like most apply to you. And then consider why you gave it that rating, what a 10 would look like. And from there, you can get a better idea of which ones you might wanna focus a little bit more on next year. With that as the foundation, I think we can move into what does success 
look like to me next year? This is the pivot point where we transition from looking back at the past year to looking forward at the next year. And we can begin to cast the vision of December 31st next year, where do I want to be? Whether you've already set your goals for the coming year or not, I think it's helpful to start with reflection so that you have the clean slate going forward. That's why the end of your review is so helpful because it gives you a clear picture of where you're starting from, which inherently makes it easier to figure out where you wanna go next and how to get there. It's much harder to look at a map and figure out where you want to go if you're not even really sure where you're starting with and you have a very hard time of figuring out how to get there if you don't know where you are. It's also nicer to set goals once you have recognized and celebrated all the wins you've already had, all the success, all the achievements that got you to where you are, because you can see all the success that you've had and then all the success you're likely to find in the future. So I have created a lot of episodes specifically designed to help you figure out which resolutions to set. Those would be episodes 9, 11, 13. They'll all be linked in the show notes if you wanna check them out. And from this place, I think it's really powerful to set resolutions. Once you've reflected and reviewed, then you can really begin to move forward with that fresh slate. I also often at the end of the year will take some time to detox. I will get rid of things that I don't want to take into the year ahead. Certainly in my home, of course, because I have professional organizing background, it's the perfect time to declutter physical belongings, especially after Christmas and any influx of new things that may have come into your home. I also like to scan, shred, recycle paperwork that I no longer need. I'll put memorabilia into storage, all that kind of thing. I also like to do a digital declutter, get rid of old messages, texts, contacts. Those things to me can be symbolic of people and relationships you wanna leave behind or not take into the new year, which doesn't have to be a bad thing, just like everything else. If it creates more room for what you want, what you want to do, definitely do that. Similarly, unfollow people, unfollow on social media, unfollow on podcasts. <laughs> if that's not your thing, if someone is no longer speaking your language, delete old photos of things maybe you don't wanna remember anymore, duplicates, all that kind of thing. Get rid of books that you plan to read but never did or no longer want to, either physically or I would encourage you to clear them from your to-read list. I know I need to do that because my to-read list definitely weighs heavily on me with all the books that I don't actually want to read but now feel like I should. So I definitely need to go through my to-read list and do it with me, I would encourage you. And just take the time to detox, declutter, Anything that you want to leave in this year, you don't want to carry forward with you into the next, it's okay to leave those things behind. It's just going to be opening up the space and capacity for you to have more of what you do want in the coming year. So with all of that in mind, the setting your intention for your review, the gratitude, asking yourself powerful questions, reviewing your goals, assessing overall areas, looking forward to what success is gonna look like next year, setting your goals, taking time to detox. With all of that, or whichever components of it you want to, I would encourage you to conduct an end of year review, to take that time for yourself, to honor your success for the past year. I'm certainly celebrating with you, but also to look forward with excitement and expectation and with the perfect clean, clear slate and foundation. So I also thought it would be fun, since this is a review episode, to not only tell you what I'm reading, but to review my reading from the year. One of my favorite aspects of my end of year review, which I didn't include, but you would be welcome to add it to your end of year review as well, is to make a list of the best books that I read. So I asked on social media a few weeks ago if people wanted to hear about the best books that I read on the podcast, in addition to my blog, where I always post a list and links, and it sounds like people do wanna hear, so I'm gonna be sharing the best books that I read this year, 
First of all, In Five Years, which was just a quick novel. It was a lot of fun. I started the year. I think it was with the first book that I read this year. It was really fun. I read The Little Book of Life Skills, Deal with Dinner, Manage Your Email, Make a Graceful Exit, and 152 Other Expert Tricks, which is a lot of fun dealing with really mundane or obvious things from people who really are genuinely experts in so many different areas. You wouldn't know there were so many experts on so many things, but there are, and they had a lot of great advice. They also read HRH, So Many Thoughts on Royal Style, all about the style of the queen, princess, and duchesses over the last several decades. It was a beautiful book, lots of pictures. I also appreciated a lot of the analysis. It really brought a perspective into how designs or colors were reused, especially across the generations to make a tribute or to reflect something. And so I thought it was a very interesting look into a world I don't know a lot about, and I really enjoyed it. Plus it was just beautiful. I also read the novel, The Dinner List, which was unique and interesting, but I had fun with that one too. I read Tiny Habits, These Small Changes That Change Everything. I have found that with a lot of habit books, they say the exact same things as every other habit book, but I thought that Tiny Habits had at least a very unique perspective to tackling habits and some really great ideas on a grander scale of how just to do the things that we want to do. I also read I'll Be Gone in the Dark, One Woman's Obsessive Search for the Golden State Killer, which I thought was completely fascinating. It was Definitely a little bit intense, but very good. Then I read Effortless, Make It Easier to Do What Matters Most. Definitely recommend that one. It is the sequel to Greg McCowan's Essentialism, which he wrote a few years ago. And I actually liked this one more. It deals with not just make sure you're doing the things that are highest priority for you, which is something that's come pretty easily to me, but to make sure you're doing that as effortlessly and efficiently as possible. The next book that I love this year was Mindhunter, Inside the FBI's Elite Serial Crime Unit. So whenever I talk about this book, people always talk about the Netflix show, which I haven't watched, but I am excited too, because if it's anything like the book is fantastic, definitely graphic, but very well written and very fascinating. I enjoyed reading this summer where the grass is green and the girls are pretty. <laughs> it's by Lauren Weisberger who wrote The Devil Wears Prada, another book that I found so fun, not just because I love the movie, but it was interesting and different dealing with a somewhat social issue in a novel format. And I don't mean novel as in unique, novel as in a novel. Anyway, I also read the novel The Newcomer this summer and I read the thriller The Flight Attendant, both of which were very fun. All three of those books I read this summer and there's something about just a lighter novel, even if some of these were a little bit dark and just the sunshine. I also read them while I was on a lake by the water, so very fun. And then I also loved On Writing, A Memoir of the Craft by Stephen King. I will admit I have not read a lot of Stephen King, but I have read this book and even though I don't write fiction, he has a lot of beautiful perspectives on writing and it truly is a craft <laughs> and he definitely is an expert and has a lot of advice to share. I loved Maybe You Should Talk to Someone, A Therapist, Her Therapist, and Our Lives Revealed. It was one of those books, I talked about this earlier, that has the perfect length of chapters. So definitely recommend that one. Very good. And it's an interesting look into therapy and the power that it has in our lives. Coaching is definitely a little bit different, but I certainly came away with thoughts to take into certain client sessions or even to apply in my own life. And I think that's the power of the book for anyone who reads it. Then I loved The Anthropocene Reviewed, Essays on a Human-Centered Planet by John Green. I grew up watching John Green on Crash Course. I say that I attribute graduating high school to watching this Crash Course videos, and I've always loved John Green. And so to see him branch out from his typical novel style to a much more essay-centered format was great. I really loved seeing him in that new way. And since I love to rate the books that I read, it was fun to have a whole 
book where he's literally just going around writing random things. So <laughs> I definitely love that one. I loved The Bomber Mafia, A Dream, A Temptation, and The Longest Night of the Second World War. That was by Malcolm Gladwell. I know I shared about that one on the podcast too. It was definitely different than some of his other books, but it was one that I really enjoyed reading and that definitely stands out in my mind. And then I read and loved The Countdown to Bin Laden, the untold story of the 247 day hunt to bring the mastermind of 9-11 to justice. That one I read right after the Bomber Mafia. And I think for some reason they played off of each other really well, but they were both just very valuable books to read in their own right. And then other than that, I recently finished Beth and Amy, which is the sequel to the book Megan Joe, which is just a contemporary retelling of the Little Women classic. And I've always loved Little Women, so it was fun reading about the characters and their lives um, and their more modern struggles in a much more contemporary setting. So that was a really fun one as well. And I love creating this list and looking back at my year through the context of the books that I have loved and that have stood out to me. When you review anything, you get to see the big picture. And so looking at my reading, I can see that although I read a pretty similar number of books to last year, I only had about half as many on this list. I'm not really diagnosing that as a problem, but it was intriguing that even though I read the same number of books, only about half as many really stood out. I think I had 31 on my list last year of the best books that I read, and this year I only had 17. I also thought it was interesting to see as I was making this list, I found that early in the year, I read about one memorable book a month pretty consistently. But then as the year went on, there were months <laughs> that had nothing memorable. And then there were a couple months that had a bunch of memorable books in them. So there's not really any consistency for the year there, but a lot of variety, which was interesting. I also noted upon reflection that there were noticeably fewer novels and personal development books on this list compared to past years, whereas there were more books in the crime and history and war and thriller genres than in other previous years. I also had a lot of great books that I reread this year. And since one of my resolutions was to purchase at least one of my favorite books every month, I have a lot of those too. I shared about my rereads and the books that I bought this year on my blog. So this does not turn into an endless list of books. I won't list them here, but if you're curious what those were, they're all ones that I love and recommend. So definitely check that out if you want more of the books that I really truly love. As far as what I am actually currently in the process of reading this week, it is The Way of Integrity by Martha Beck, just starting that one. So we'll have to see whether it would make the list and see if I finish it before the end of this year too. I want to raise a glass to recognizing our success. Conducting my own end of year review was so powerful to realize I have been able to accomplish a lot this year, even in uh, a lot of very disparate areas. And so I am toasting the success that I was able to have this year, the things I was able to check off, and I'm certainly toasting your success and your accomplishments as well. So let's all toast that together, especially as we reach the end of the year. It's definitely something worth celebrating. And with that, thanks for tuning in to The Resolve Podcast. You can follow me on Instagram at Carly Tassano. I would love to connect with you. Don't forget to rate and review. It really helps other people find the show. And subscribe if you haven't already so that you don't miss another great episode next week. For the show notes or additional support in reaching your goals, check out carlytisano.com. Until next time, here's to all that lies ahead.